no way in predicting when the next black swan will occur. You will not know what it will be, where it will strike, when it will strike, what it's going to look like, who it's going to affect. All you know is that it's coming. And the only way to profit and then not die from the black swan is to become anti-fragile. So go to parties, get your finances in order, and do more stress testing. Stress the body, stress the mind. Because there is another black swan around the corner, and who knows what it's going to be. Hello chaps, this is the re-recorded version of The Black Swan, book number two of the inserto. Before I get into it, I just uh, can't miss this opportunity to plug my website and to plug my other podcasts. So guys, if you're into Nassim Taleb and you're into the inserto, then by proxy, I think you and I have very similar interests, okay? Obviously, this might be the main interest, but nonetheless, it sort of suggests a a wider consideration of systems and perhaps a different worldview, a more curious worldview. So have a look at my website. I've published over 100 articles on there, and it's all an extension of my different interests. You know, there's the Sim Taleb, but there's also Carl Jung, but there's also mental models, but there's also geopolitics, but there's also... Uh, alternative energy but there's also investing and then there's also a bit of life stuff in there as well so go onto the website have a look there's two other podcasts that i run one is the geopolitics and power podcast that's pretty self-explanatory the second is called what about when it's an interview podcast now i've had on there the ceo of vestigard one of the greatest components of conscious capitalism in the entire world almost a billion people sleep under their products every night it is fucking wild what they're doing so i've got an interview with him i've got an interview with the internet's most popular Jungian analyst i've got an interview with tim marshall you know the author of one of the most popular geopolitical books of all time prisoners of geography there's a lot of good interviews on there and really the absolute hardest thing for this content creation game is just discovery so i think you guys might be interested in it please look in the description of this podcast subscribe to all these podcasts subscribe to the newsletter if you're keen obviously if you're not then fucking don't worry about it but if you're keen please do me that favor and pump your good good juice into this algorithm it's us versus the algorithm get this podcast and my other podcast up there all right without further ado we're going to jump into the re-recorded the revised version of the Black Swan for the Inserto and the Sim to Lead podcast. Now, just to give you a bit of a skeleton of what we're going to expect, we're going to define a Black Swan, give a good example of a Black Swan, talk about Mediocristan and Extremistan, which in my opinion is the absolute best takeaway from this book. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, purposely exposing yourself to black swans, but then also how you can survive a black swan and how you can benefit from a black swan because an important consideration to make about these tail events is that they can be equally good as they can be bad. There are great inconsistencies at trying to predict the future given the knowledge of the past. Now I'm going to say that line several times and maybe in different ways throughout this recording, but that is the most important way to think about the black swan. It's just a fancy way of saying you cannot predict the future and attempts to do so are futile. You're relying on the complexity of variables, which none of us can truly grasp. The best quant model can't grasp it. The best Nostradamus can't grasp it. We cannot predict the future based off the past. How are we expected to know the properties of what is infinite and unknown, which is the future, based off the evidence of what is finite and known, the past? Just because something didn't happen before, 
does not tell the story that it's going to happen again. Just because something has happened before does not tell the story that it's going to happen again. Now, it's very, I think personally, I don't know how Nassim thinks about this, but I think personally it is, it is good to look at history. and It is good to look at cycles and it is good to notice that there are repetitions repetitive behaviors throughout history and there are repetitive phenomenon that happen throughout history but a crucial crucial key to understanding it is that it's not the case that in the moment the person could predict say next tuesday we are coming to the end of this cycle for example you know right now and ever since before the coronavirus there's been a lot of chat about how uh, financial markets are one big bubble. Cryptocurrency is a bubble. Australian real estate's a bubble. People are talking about financial bubbles all the time because it's true. <laughs> we are in a bubble, but the but but we don't know when it's going to pop, and there is there is very very little uh, use knowing that you're in a bubble if you don't know when it's going to pop. Right, which is to say that it is true that we might be coming towards the end of a long term debt cycle. Right, but unless we can definitively say when the long-term debt cycle will conclude, your prediction is actually not worth much, right? So we cannot know the properties of an infinite and unknown future based off a finite and known past. So I know that's a lot to throw out at the very beginning, but that needs to remain central to your understanding of the black swan and also to be frank for the inserto more generally. So the black swans are the extraordinary outlier. As much as we think we can, we are totally incompetent at predicting future events. People are pricing oil seasons in advance as a heuristic variable measure to an investment, while meanwhile, in reality, we consistently can't even get tomorrow, tomorrow morning's price right. Which is a which is a little anecdote Nassim makes in the book, which I just I find so hilarious because once you've really ingested the inserto and 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 at least in your own right, truly understand the ideas, you start looking at systems differently. You start looking at, say, for instance, the consulting firm that is pricing the oil seizures in advance as a heuristic variable to investment, and you start sort of just chuckling because that's a load of BS. Their prediction is certainly well-informed. There's no doubt about that. You know, they're extremely qualified and probably spend a lot of time figuring out this model to determine what the price of oil is going to be in two years from now. But the truth is, is no computer can even capture all the variables that are at play here for something like this. Like, this is the crux of the black swan. We cannot see it coming. This is the crux of predicting future events. Future possibilities are infinite. And we've seen many times on the distribution of events that 100, 200 standard, standard deviation events away from the mean actually do occur periodically. The point of the black swan is realizing that just because something has never happened, it is not evidence that it can never happen. And that is where the black swan metaphor comes from. For centuries, the Europeans insisted that there did not exist any black swans. All they saw were white swans in their day-to-day lives. There is no limit to the number of white swan sightings that can prove there does not exist a black swan. But all it takes is one sighting of a black swan to disprove the rule. All it takes is that outlier event which no one thought was possible to disprove your rule. And it wasn't until the Dutchman um, gazed upon Australia's glorious West Coast that Europeans saw their first ever black swan. And thus, the rule was proven incorrect. There does in fact exist outcomes that you thought were impossible, thought could never happen. In your wildest dreams, in your wildest predictions could have never happened. 
and this is covered in the Sims example for Black Monday in 1987, just using a sort of uh, tangible example of what an outlier event might look like within financial markets, say, for instance. If you lived in New York on the 10th of September in 2001, your experience of the past did absolutely nothing to prepare you for what was going to happen the following day. The black swan is the extreme outlier. It is the unforeseen event which has not been priced into your equation of the future. And there are three qualifications for a black swan. One, they are an extreme event. Two, they have an extreme impact. And three, and this is the most important one, they are only explicable after the fact. Because how can we know the properties of what is infinite and unknown, which is the future, based off the evidence of what is finite and known, which is the past? This is the black swan problem. Our evidence for predicting the future is distorted by infinite possible variables, which haven't been accounted for. So Nassim Taleb's famous turkey example. This is a, a metaphorical anecdote that wonderfully captures uh, a black swan sort of as it is rolling out. So imagine you're the president's turkey on the eve of Thanksgiving. You go to bed on the 25th of November fat and happy. You're living the good life. You've always been given lots of attention, given any food you like, and they probably even fattened you up with beer. You are very fat, very well fed, and very happy turkey. And on the 25th of November, you are completely unaware to the black swan that is going to befall you the next morning. We think along lines of linear progression. The turkey is predicting his future based off the experience of his past. You cannot predict the black swan. All you can do is prepare for it and become anti-fragile to it. When the turkey wakes up fat and happy on Thanksgiving morning, he is taken completely off guard and then met with his black swan. He is slaughtered. It is an extreme outlier. It has significant impact and is only explicable to him after the fact. And that's the important part. It's only explicable to him because not all black swans are going to be um, society specific. They can be hyper-specific hyper to one person, to one family, to one community, to one country, to one ethnicity, to one industry, to one company, to everyone on the entire planet. Like the, the black swan can vary. It, it doesn't have uh, a specific, there, there isn't a specific um, person or, or people who are affected by it. The black swans are numerous and they can happen at the micro level or at the macro level. And, and just as an aside, if you're listening to this podcast, then one could assume that you have survived until this point. You are alive after all. And from this, you can infer two completely opposite conclusions based off your experience alone. One, either you are immortal or two, you are closer to death. These are both components of an infinite and unknown future. You cannot predict the future based off the past. Now, my favorite part of the black swan, mediocristan versus extremistan. I did an entire podcast episode on this topic alone, which you will be able to find in the podcast library, but I'll give a summarized uh, version of it here. So Nassim speaks about two fictional countries and their differences concerning each own's predictive abilities. Okay, mediocristan, which is the land of the average, and extremistan, which is quite the opposite. So in Mediocristan, the land of the average, observing the first 100 outcomes will provide analysts a good indication for the next 10,000. 
In Mediocristan, our experience of the past will actually inform us relatively well about the outcomes of the future. In Extremistan, it is quite the opposite. Observing the first 100 outcomes provides absolutely no insight into predicting the next 10, let alone the next 10,000. Meaning, your experience of the past does absolutely nothing to inform you about future possibilities. Okay, so think about that. Which one, I ask you now, and there's no wrong, well, there is a right, and I ask you now, which one of these countries do you think we live in? Do we live in mediocristan or do we live in extremistan? Do we live in a world where our experience of the past can inform future outcomes? Or do we live in extremistan where observing the first 100 outcomes will do absolutely nothing for us to even predict the next 10? Okay. I will just say, spoilers, but Nassim insists that while we think we live in mediocristan, we in fact live in extremistan. And this does very well to serve his entire Better Procrustes metaphor, which is book three, which you'll see coming out in the next week. But the idea that rather than fitting reality into our preordained systems, okay, mediocristan, how our past is supposed to inform our future, instead... We live in extremistan and we need to let our systems ebb and flow according to reality because our experience of the past cannot inform the experience of the future. And that is because of the black swan. It's because that events so wild and beyond our possibilities and imaginations can befall us. So let's look at Mediocristan and Extremistan and how domain-specific outliers influence different distributions. So here is a domain of Mediocristan. If you take 100 random people and then find the average weight between them, there is no person alive who can be added to the sample, so the 101st person who you weigh, that will weigh significantly enough to alter the average. All right, so if the average weight of 100 people is 75 kilograms, then an outlier weighing 200 kilograms is barely going to move the needle. And we can agree that 200 kilograms is an extremely large person. They live at the very end of the distribution of how much people weigh. Okay, um, the same is true for calorie consumption. There is no day where you can eat enough calories to make you fat, nor there is one day where you can eat so, so insufficient amount of calories to make you skinny. These are the domains of mediocristan. Now, keep that in mind and then contrast it with a domain from extremistan. Now, let's imagine that we take uh, those same 100 random people and then calculate their average net worth. Okay, say it's $100,000. There are outliers alive. Jeff Bezos, Cristiano Ronaldo, Elon Musk, even... Even people that aren't that drastically at the end of the distribution, maybe guys like Joe Rogan. Once you add this person's net worth into the distribution, you have totally distorted your average. And you can make, if the outlier is large enough, you can make someone else's combined net worth look like a rounding error for the outlier. So what's the difference there? In Mediocristan, there isn't a person alive who can actually alter the mean of the distribution so significantly, right? Which suggests predictability, which suggests mediocristan 
and us being able to price oil two years from now, for example. But in reality, the world that we live in and the systems that we have created around us, they are domains of extremistan. There are people alive who alone have earned more than billions and billions of people below them. The sort of uneven distribution or unpredictable distribution of these inputs makes them as such a domain of extremistan. If Jeff Bezos is added as the 101st person in this random sample of people that have an average net worth of 100k, you know, his 100 billion dollars or whatever it is, is going to increase the average of those 101 people into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Whereas the accumulated value of all 100 people before now uh, then they're less than what the average of the total is. So I know I'm saying a lot of numbers and um, obviously without a graph in front of you, it's it, it might be hard to conceptualize. So forgive me. I, I did do a YouTube video on this as well. So maybe if that helps, you know, maybe you can go in there. But I, I hope you can, um, yeah, I, I, I hope this is making a little bit of sense. But there are domains subject to an outlier so extreme that it completely distort the game for the rest. Okay, so these are the domains we actually exist in and we actually live in. Wealth, income, subscribers, deaths, size of planets, viruses, etc. Book publishing, podcast distribution. You know what's interesting about podcasts? I was looking it up. There's this guy, he gets about $10,000 a month and he's in the top 1% of of podcast listeners in the entire world. He gets 10,000 downloads a month. Now that might seem like a lot of downloads to you. And to be frank, it is a lot of downloads. But the thing is, compare him to Tim Ferriss, who's in the top 0.1%. It's absolutely nothing. It's a rounding error. It's what Tim Ferriss downloads in maybe 10 minutes after he subscribes to the podcast, right? Like followers on Twitter, I mean, (laughs) scope of influence, really, like you can play with this forever. We live in extremistan. The, dom- the domains of our systems are those of extremistan, not of mediocristan. Okay, we cannot predict the future based off our past. In mediocristan, you can predict the future based off your past. So anyway, I, I-, I really hope that's breaking through. If it hasn't, it's because I just am not commu- communicating it properly. And so if it hasn't made total sense, uh, do your best to absorb the idea of extremistan versus mediocristan because I really think it's one of the best ideas from the entire Inserto five book series. And in classic Nassim fashion, he manages to sort of um, capture this idea in one tidy aphorism. So he says, you can't lose a ton of weight in one day, but you can lose a ton of money. The problem of the black swan is that we think we live in mediocristan and are able to predict the future based on the past. We can safely predict that the next person added to our average weight cannot weigh more than 500 kilograms. However, we live in extremistan and we are exposed to its domains. All of the world's USD can be wiped clean tomorrow should a black swan so significant occur. We live in extremistan. The problem is we think we live in mediocristan. All right, now here's a fun part. Is there any reason that one would expose themselves willingly to a black swan? Well, yes, there is actually. Because think about it now with me, a um, Gaussian distribution, a bell curve distribution. So as we all know, the majority of the, um, the majority of distribution lives very close to the mean in the nice hump in the middle. But 
either end of that distribution as the the tail, as they call it in maths, runs out towards the edge of the graph. Here is where you live. Here is where life is lived. Life. When people say life is lived at the tail, actually, I don't know if people say that, but I always say that. It means at these extreme ends of the distribution, in the extremely bad and the extremely good, in the extreme sadness and the extreme happiness, in the extremely lucky and the extremely unlucky, uh, in the extremely high risk and the extremely low risk, things in the middle in the extremely hot or the extreme cold, things in the middle just unexciting. And the same way that a black swan can negatively disrupt your life, it is true that a black swan can, at the same time, positively disrupt your life. Because just think about the Gaussian distribution and there's two tails there. There's one on the left and there's one on the right. So black swans are not all bad. They are extreme and highly impactful, but need not always, but need not always sing a story of woe. Was Chris Hemsworth casting as Thor a case that he was the only man for the job or more likely that he was in the right place at the right time? Who would Chris Hemsworth be if Thor was a box office failure? On the pie chart of success, how big is this slice of randomness, this positive black swan? Nassim Taleb quite reductively instructs us to go to parties. Yes, it's brilliant advice, but it's far too simplified. He means to maximize your chance at experiencing the upside of a black swan. You need to reap the upside and downside of multiple random experiences. It means to create serendipity, to do your best to force serendipity into your life. There is a bit of asymmetry to this, which also is an episode I've done um, on before. But while by definition, one cannot uh, reduce their exposure to a negative black swan, one can prepare the best they can to survive it. However, because it's a because there is an asymmetry to it, one can further expose themselves to a positive black swan. Okay, so they actually go hand in hand. Becoming more anti-fragile will not only strengthen you to the negative consequences of a bad black swan but it will also increase the serendipitous chance of you reaping the benefit of a positive black swan. Maybe it's... <laughs> so I'm hearing myself talk right now. Maybe it's a little bit confusing. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. You guys tell me what you think. But I... Um, um, you know, but, but such is such is the complexity of these ideas and just ideas generally. It, the, the, I think the true mastery of um, being able to understand an idea is an ability to communicate it. So whether I'm succeeding or failing right now is for you to say. But I think it's true that if you really know something, you should be able to tell other people about it. And I really hope that's what I'm managing to do here with this podcast. Because um, as I said the other day uh, in, the, um, uh, in the about the podcast episode, me doing this is to further sharpen my understanding uh, of the inserter on this whetstone. Um, and then also, hopefully, you know, there's something you guys get out of it as well. But here we go. Let, let, let's look at how to survive a black swan. And this goes in hand in hand with reaping the upsides. Expose yourself to many different experiences. Learn whatever you can. Don't burn bridges. Follow your own tastes. 
Okay, and that's a big important one. Trust your instincts. Trust your sense of smell. Go towards things that your anima draws you towards. Keep 90% of your wealth in the safest, lowest risk of vehicle available and then frivolously spend the rest on high-risk pursuits. That's Nassim Taleb's barbell strategy. There's also an episode on that. Have your ideas and knowledge tested. Very important, very important. All of these are measures that increase your anti-fragility. Have your ideas and knowledge tested. Your idea could be right, but if you fail the, the, the pressure test, well, now you need to learn this idea better right, for example. But ultimately, this is both the key to anti-fragility and also to increasing your serendipitous chance at the upside of a black swan. Do more failing, do less averaging, stress the body, and stress the mind. The most important takeaway from this is to acknowledge the existence of black swans. Acknowledge that we live in extremistan and there is no way in predicting when the next black swan will occur. You will not know what it will be, where it will strike, when it will strike, what it's going to look like, who it's going to affect. All you know is that it's coming. And the only way to profit and then not die from the black swan is to become anti-fragile. So go to parties, get your finances in order, and do more stress testing. Stress the body, stress the mind. Because there is another black swan around the corner, and who knows what it's going to be. All right, cheers, leyendas. Contact me on Twitter, no, pump your good, good, good juice into the algorithm because it's us versus the algorithm and the algorithm is only going to work in our favor if you put your juice into it. Now, if you didn't like the podcast, please don't leave a review. Just fucking abuse me on Twitter instead. That works a treat. So if you liked it, put your juice into the algorithm, five stars, reviews, all the rest. Go on to my website. I just published a big food waste manifesto. I'm writing a lot on there. Thanks for listening. Yes, that's that's what I was meant to say. Look, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a fan of Nassim Taleb, it's very likely that we have very similar interests. Because the beauty of the internet is that we can all hyper niche down our interests, right? None of us have ever met each other before. None of us have met Nassim Taleb before, but we're all somehow drawn to the ideas of his book. And thus we have something in common. Now I'm writing a lot of stuff online. It's not all about Nassim Taleb. But if you're into Nassim, if you're into the Inserto, I think you're going to be into this stuff as well. So support me there, guys. Follow my website and look at my other two podcasts and just keep pumping your juice into algorithms. Cheers. Laters.